Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer, Strata Lawyer, and it's my job here to help you demystify the legal complexities of apartment living. This week, we are touching on a very complex issue, building defects. Building defects in our apartment buildings has been a pretty hot topic right across Australia for a couple of years now. Despite multiple reviews and inquiries, it took the emergency evacuation of two apartment complexes in Sydney in 2018 and 19 to prompt significant regulatory reform in New South Wales. Just last week, we heard of another building in Sydney where residents were packing their bags, having been informed by engineers that the building was not structurally sound. The current news on that building in Sydney's Canterbury is that evacuation has thankfully not been necessary. Back in episode number 172, I spoke with Dr. Nicole Johnston about her research report, An Examination of Building Defects in Multi-Owned Properties, which really exposed Australia's building defects crisis and being unintentionally well-timed with the evacuation of mascot towers, received a considerable amount of media attention. Its publication was very closely followed by the establishment of the Office of the Building Commissioner in New South Wales and the appointment of our Building Commissioner, David Chandler. Today, I am speaking with the lead author of the newest report, highlighting just how dire the building defect situation is in our apartment buildings. Dr. Laura Cromelin is a senior lecturer in the City Planning Program at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, teaching planning law and governance and undertaking research related to urban housing policy. She is also a fellow at the City Futures Research Centre. Laura is the lead author of the report Cracks in the Compact City, Tackling Defects in Multi-Unit Strata Housing. As part of this project, the researchers analysed a random sample of half of all strata schemes completed in the Sydney, Parramatta and Canterbury-Bankstown local government areas between 2008 and 2017. In addition to their perhaps unsurprising findings about the prevalence of building defects in new buildings, their research also revealed that in the apartment market, apart from the price and some pictures in a glossy brochure, off the plan buyers are almost completely in the dark as to what they are buying. The situation is a little better for buyers of existing apartments. At least they can walk around and see the property for themselves. But Laura and her team found that the information even these buyers can access to reassure them of the quality of their prospective homes varies in both scope and quality. And I have been particularly interested in the conclusion that this, in large part, reflects a lack of systematised information available to strata inspectors when they are carrying out their inspection of strata books and records. That in particular 
is what I was very interested to speak to Dr. Laura Cromlin about today. Now, this research was funded by the Australian Research Council with the support of various industry partners, including the Australian College of Strata Lawyers. You can read the report in full. I have a link for you in the show notes under this episode over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash podcasts. Just look for this episode number 284. There's also a link there to a free how-to guide put together by the researchers. That's a guide for purchasers and owners on how to tackle defects in strata schemes. Well worth checking out but I'll take you over right now to my chat with Dr. Laura Cromlin. Laura Cromlin, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Thank you for squeezing in this chat. I know you have been particularly busy speaking to media and other stakeholders, colleagues about this report that has just been launched. So we appreciate your time. Glad to be here. It's uh, great to see it out in the world finally. It's taken a while. Yes, it has been a long time coming and it contains some very important information that we are going to get stuck into today. First of all, though, I'm going to ask you about an acronym that you and your fellow researchers have used in the report. It's not one that I had seen before. Jumped out to me, multi-unit strata title, must developments, you've called them, M-U-S-T. Can you tell me more about this acronym? I love it, by the way. Sure. Yeah, a couple of people have picked up on that, which has been interesting. I have to admit it's not a term of art. Uh, It's just something that we came up with for this report. Uh, I guess we were grappling with how to be sort of concise. It's still a long report, even with, you know, as many ways we could find to keep it tight as possible. And uh, we, in the past, have often used MOP, uh, Multi-Owned Properties, as an acronym, Uh, That one works well, I guess, more in international settings. But because we were looking at a particular sample of buildings in this research that were strata titled, we wanted to be specific about that. So we started with strata titled and then added multi-unit and ended up with must and it seemed catchy. So we went with it. (laughs) It is catchy because I feel, I might be a bit biased, but I feel that strata titled developments deserve attention And having the acronym that spells out MUST helps, I think, giving our developments that attention. So I think it's one that we should use and encourage others to use and we'll see it catch on. We must be doing better for (laughs) our strategy. Happy to see it embraced. (laughs) There's so much that your report covers when it comes to building defects and the trouble that we have with our new developments. And when our listeners go and have a read of the report, the executive summary in particular and the recommendations, they will see those findings and those recommendations. But there was one finding in particular that I really wanted to get stuck into with you today, if that's okay. Your report focused on information or the lack of information for purchasers who are buying into must developments. And you did talk about off the plan purchases and then purchases of established strata title properties. Can you explain for us a little bit about this information deficit? Yeah, thanks Amanda. It's um, glad you picked up on that because for us that's I think one of the really key features of this research and honestly not something we were necessarily focused on going in. We were 
looking for more robust evidence about defects. And the more we looked, the more we found that part of the reason we don't have that clear picture of how bad the problem is, is because the information's just not there. And so mm. we focused on that. And the more we unraveled it, the more it goes all the way back down the chain. It's the fact that the developers aren't necessarily producing the best information. They're not handing it on to buyers, uh, that government's not requiring them to hand it over to them. So by the time you get to owners, uh, they're already so many steps behind the ball in terms of trying to do their research and get good information about their buildings. In terms of the issue around off the plan buyers versus people buying into existing buildings, I think they're both in difficult situations, but in slightly different ways. So for off the plan buyers, the key problem is you don't even have a building to look at. <laughs> You're just looking at pieces of paper with pictures on them. So you really need to focus then on the reputation of the builder and hope that that's the thing that will protect you. And mm. a huge part of the problem we've seen is that at the moment, it's very hard to get a sense of what a developer's done in the past. You have some recognisable names that have been around for a long time and that's great. That's a bit of an easier scenario, but many, many developments are being done by developers who've changed their names. There's all the phoenixing issues that we've seen and people popping up again in new entities so buyers are really just left to kind of Google and ask around and hope that they speak to someone who happens to know something. For people in existing buildings, at least you can go and look at it and that's a good starting point. But then you've got all the challenges of trying to get into the records of the building. There is this, the mechanism of the strata inspection report, which is really great in theory. And some strata inspection reports that get produced are excellent, but there are many others that are pretty threadbare in terms of the information they provide and so therefore not great for buyers to just be relying purely on that. So lots of gaps to fill certainly. Yes and I do want to get into the poor quality of strata inspection reports as you've identified in your report but first back to the off the plan purchases. Do you think that what the Office of the Building Commissioner is doing is enough when it comes to protecting those particular purchases? You've mentioned there the reputation of builders. That's something that we see our Building Commissioner, David Chandler, really focused on and naming and shaming, calling out the bad guys, making sure that's a very public process. Is that enough or what have your recommendations been for better protecting our off-the-plan purchases? Look, it's a start. Uh, I think it definitely will help. The fundamental problem, I mean, one of the main things that the building commissioner is encouraging and helping to push forward is the idea of ratings tools for developers. So, you know, all developers will get a star rating and it's an independent third party that's setting up these tools and sucking in as much information as they can about developers. And so you can go and buy a report from a ratings agency and say what do we know about this developer versus that developer that's great and eventually I think that could work quite well but the problem is as I said the lack of information goes so much further back that those ratings tools are only going to be as good as the information they can pull in mm. so if they can't get information about what's happened in past developments then they're not going to have much more visibility of some of these issues than the buyers themselves so what we need to see is 
tightening up all of the processes of government in particular, collecting the information that can then be fed into those sorts of tools and make sure that they're actually well-informed assessments of what these developers have been doing in the past. Yes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a slow process, I guess, to fix up the problems that we've created over many years by just failing to keep a close enough eye on what's been going on in the industry. Yes. And you use the word eventually. Eventually is a <laughs> popular one in the context of building defects. Eventually, all of this great work that our building commissioner is doing will be helping purchasers down the line. Something else that I found quite interesting in reading your report is that you found there was no market imperative for anybody to be doing anything at the, the front end of these developments to protect the purchases down the line because ultimately the original owner, as we call them in strata law speak, the developer, is registering the strata plan and then the owner's corporation is constituted an entirely different legal entity, the owner's corporation. And that legal entity is then taking on all of the obligations to repair and maintain the common property and essentially inheriting the sins of the developer, of the original owner. And there's just no, in a hot market, there's no commercial imperative or market imperative for the developer to be building good quality stock. Have I articulated that correctly? And did you want to speak a little bit more to that? Because I thought that was a, a big call, a brave call and a really important finding to have made from your research. Yeah, look, I think you've captured it perfectly. And you asked me as the sort of second part of the other question about what should change to try and improve that situation. And one of the things we talk about in the report, and it's not our idea, but we've picked it up, is this idea of a building manual. And sometimes I think that language is maybe a little bit confusing. People sort of think that oh, that's a super technical thing that the building manager might use. But what we're really talking about there is a very comprehensive set of documentation that relates to all the aspects of the building that owners need to know about and might come down to very simple things like how do you use certain features of the building? How do you make the building run well? But also, you know, some of that more technical documentation that you might need if you find you have defects. And at the moment, that's, again, there are maybe some developers out there who are doing a decent job of handing that information over, but in lots of cases, it's not happening. And it's not even something that needs new laws. We've got laws that say it should happen. They're just not enforced. And again, it's the same problem that if you're an owner and you don't get that information and you think, well, I should be entitled to it, it's up to you to go and get it and go up against a developer and push for that. And it's a really tough road to sort of force a developer in that situation to do it if they don't want to. So just making sure that when developers hand over the building, they're giving all the information that's needed. And that in itself, I think, provides an additional level of oversight because you can take that to some experts, get them to look at it, say, does anything here look really concerning or unusual to you? And then within a few months of moving in, you've got a better picture of what you're dealing with than you know what often happens with owners where it's 6, 12, 18, 24 months down the track before they start to think, oh, something's not right here. And now where's the developer? They've moved on. You're sort of uh, digging yourself out of a hole at that point. So is your suggestion that this building manual be given 
by the developer to each purchaser as part of their actual contract for sale and not necessarily, or perhaps it's a bit different to what we call in New South Wales, the original maintenance schedule, which is to go to the owner's corporation at the first AGM. So are you suggesting a bigger obligation towards the actual purchaser as opposed to the owner's corporation? So I think it would include both parts. Uh, It would also be something that you could give to individual purchasers that covers the stuff that they need to know on a day-to-day basis. You know, often buildings have features. I mean, we've talked to builders and architects and they say, oh, you know, we designed this great thing and then no one ever used it because they never realised that you had to do this with the louvers to make the airflow work or, you know, because no one ever gave them. You had to do this to keep it working you had to actually maintain it in this particular way I mean I know when I moved into my apartment I had no idea how to work the intercom and it was just a trial and error thing of pressing various buttons until one day I worked out which one opened the door so you know there's some of that basic stuff but I think also um, just making sure that what gets handed over to the owners corporation is more comprehensive and more user-friendly as well Mm mm-hmm And do you see a role there for strata managers with these new developments to be requesting this, perhaps to be a little bit more educated about the importance of this? You've already hinted at that imbalance of power between an owner's corporation and a developer. Uh, Professional strata managers, do you see them having a role advocating on behalf of their owner's corporations and communicating with the developer about the need for this information? Yeah, I think that is great. And for those buildings that are fortunate to have a really good strata manager, it clearly makes a huge difference to how well the building runs. Uh, I guess the the tricky part there is that's a a financial outlay and not all buildings have strata managers. So uh, we need to make sure that it's also possible for those people who don't have that extra support in place to navigate these kinds of issues. And I think that touches on something that you sort of mentioned in passing before as well, which I think is a really important part of all of this. We've had a lot of conversations during this research about, okay, well, we'll just give people all the information and we'll, you know, more is better. And I'm sure, you know, in the legal context, we know that that doesn't work, that if you give people too much information, then their natural reaction is to not read it. And as you mentioned, often people are making decisions about buying property in really tense you know, heated up circumstances where you don't have a lot of time to do research and get lawyers to review things for extended periods of time and go back and forward and discuss with the developer. And often, you know, you've got, it's an auction and you've got a short period and you've got to make a decision. So one of the other things that we need to do is make sure that we have systems in place that hand over the key information and in a way that people can navigate without too much trouble and without requiring too much expert support. So it is really tough to get that balance right. You need the information to be complete, but you also need it to be digestible. Mm. You have identified the poor quality of strata inspection reports, and you've also in your report mentioned the shortcomings in reporting and document management by owners corporations and strata managers. And I have to say, Laura, when I read that, for me, I I felt somewhat vindicated. I have (laughs) been speaking for many years about my on-the-ground experience with records inspections and listeners to the podcast will be familiar with the frustrations that I've expressed and 
I know many of them have experienced when they go to look at books and records, whether it's a new building or an older building. Can you share with us your particular findings? Because this is the first time I think that we have a comprehensive academic report like yours that calls out these problems and makes some recommendations for improving them. So what did you find about books and records of owners' corporations? Yeah, I think it's a really important issue to focus in on. Uh, And I think one of the things that we've seen with what's happened with the building commissioner so far is there's been a real focus on the sort of the front end, the phase up to the end of construction, which makes a lot of sense. That's where you minimise the number of defects. But then there's still this whole issue of what happens with buildings once they're up and running and record keeping is a huge part of that. And it's really tough to do it well. You've got people moving in and out all the time. You've got new people joining committees, leaving committees. You have what seems to be a pretty high level of turnover amongst strata managers. So, you know, that inevitably disrupts the information that gets kept and how it gets stored and managed. So, I think we need to think about how we do this information management process better in existing buildings because without those records, again, buyers are just at a real loss in terms of how to find out what they're taking on. And it's no good for the owners either. If you're trying to deal with a problem in your building and you've got no idea if anything's been done before or, you know, whether your insurance is going to cover it, all of those problems. From the buyer's perspective, the issue with the strata inspection reports, I think, is really, really important. So we looked at a few hundred strata inspection reports as part of the research, and we were pretty surprised at how much they varied from each other. So these are, just for our listeners who might not have heard this term before, these are the reports that may be produced by a vendor or you may engage a strata inspector to go and look at the books and records of the owners corporation to give you a summary, an overview, a report on the state of those records. What is the need to know about this building based on the records that we've looked at? That's right. Yeah. So it's one of the main ways that people buying an apartment can try to protect themselves by getting a feel for what's going on in the building and what's happened previously. And They do have some sort of things that they're generally pretty consistent on and that tends to focus more on the sort of the financials of what's going on in the building, what's in the sinking fund, you know, what major expenses and things have been. But we were looking particularly for how much they talked about defects and we found that in many cases they didn't talk about it at all. So I think 12% of the reports that we looked at didn't even mention the the issue of defects and then another percentage sort of said, oh, yes, there might have been some defect problems, but didn't provide any evidence to support that. So not a great resource for people who are trying to do good research about whether the buildings had problems with defects and whether they've been fixed or not fixed, which is also obviously really important. Buildings may well have problems and have dealt with them well, and that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. And Speaking to strata managers and strata inspectors, it sort of became clear that it's a pretty unregulated industry. There's not a lot of government oversight. There's not a lot of requirements in terms of training of how to do this. So you've got some really great professional, long-standing strata inspectors out there who are doing comprehensive reports and know exactly what to look for. And you've got others who I think are sort of a bit less confident and uh, a bit less clear in the way that they put the information together. 
One of the things in the report that really struck me, we spoke to one strata inspector who's been doing it for a long time and he said, you know, people think, oh, it's just about looking at pieces of paper and summarising them, but we actually think of ourselves more as storytellers. You have to piece together a story of what's happened and why things have happened and often that means filling in gaps or mm. knowing that there should be a bit of information over here that's not there and going and asking for it. And without that experience and that sort of know-how, I think you do just get a report that's much more kind of a tick box exercise. So one of the things that we recommend is that we tighten up and make more consistent what reports look like and what they cover so that people are getting a better insight into buildings they're considering. Mm. Because you don't know what you don't know, right? So if you are not an experienced strata records inspector or not an experienced strata owner even, I often tell people that they should go and look at the records themselves because they are the ones with the vested interest. They are the ones who are likely to spend the time and put the effort in. They're spending, making a huge investment with their property purchase and they can sit there and read through emails and flick through the documents and look for any references to the particular apartment that they're buying. But even then, unless you have lived in strata or owned or invested, had some experience, you might not necessarily know that the tribunal is a thing and we should be looking to see if there's litigation going on to assess the harmony and within the building. You might not know that there's such a thing as special levies or strata loans or capital works fund forecasts. And you can appreciate how a more experienced eye can fill in those gaps or even just identify that there are gaps and then there are alarm bells to be rung. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that was really interesting that I don't think we thought about before was they're saying that we're getting more big buildings and often they have both a strata manager and a building manager. And increasingly the building manager holds a whole lot of records that relate to what's going on in the building. But the way the strata inspection system set up at the moment, you don't necessarily get access to those and you might not know that you should be asking for those. So again, there's another whole set of information that's happening somewhere else that not everyone's getting a look in. Yes, that is definitely a big problem uh, that I see on my side when we get to litigation or some form of dispute. And I am told by clients that they've gone to have a look at the records or I've gone to have a look at the records and things aren't there because they're held by the building manager. And then we end up having a legal fight about whether or not documents that are held by the building manager are documents that are in the custody or control of the owner's corporation. And if you look at the act, what's the obligation on an owner's corporation to produce documents? It's not an obligation on a building manager. So what power does the tribunal have to make orders? There are some real loopholes there. So that's another great one that you've identified. Yeah. I think the other one uh, that maybe we're in a bit of a transitional phase at the moment, but the sort of mix of things that are happening online and in portals. So some things are going into these sort of new portals that in theory should make stuff more accessible, but not everything's going into those. Some things are still sitting in old style strata management storage systems. There's a huge mass of information floating around in emails that may or may not get filed and named appropriately. One strata manager just said it's sometimes it's a nightmare. You go in and everything's just called email one, email two, email three. And you think, where do I even start with trying to work out what all of this is about? So... Yes, I actually made that note while I was reading through your report, question marking, why hasn't improvements in technology 
made more of a difference here with the management of books and records. You would have thought that there would be better systems, better processes. And I wonder, is that because each building, each strata management company is left to do it the way that they do it? And do you think having some standardized record keeping and auditing perhaps of those records for that very purpose to make sure everyone's got the same stuff in the same way. Is that the answer here? I think we do need some of that. Uh, I'm not an expert on the sort of the different technologies and which one's the best, but some level of standardization or at least better interoperability. So if you do move from one system to other and you pick it all up, it actually goes into the the new system properly. Mm. I think the other thing here though is that we always tend to get excited about technology and it can do great things, but it never removes the need for people's time to run it and manage it and tidy it up. And I think it's a bit the same thing that we're seeing with some of the uh, solutions that are being proposed to the government having better information. And there's a lot of talk about new digital twins and high-tech strategies that the government can use to get better Um, visibility of buildings and better record keeping and on one hand that sounds great but I have to admit I'm a little skeptical about whether that's better than just investing in some time for people to sit down and sort through the documentation and catalog it properly and put a spreadsheet together and just do that really slow painful tedious work that is often what needs to be done to keep things running smoothly so I think we also need to look at things like how many buildings strata managers are responsible for, how that sort of model works, because I think that's probably contributing to the issues as well. Yeah, I think you're right. It is a, it's an entire confluence of events and various issues within the management of our buildings. From that point, we can start talking about strata managers not charging enough for their services. And that's why they take on so many buildings. And that's why records can't be managed effectively. Really hard problems to solve in isolation. But you have managed to make a number of recommendations, which is admirable with all of the data that you've been through. Uh, How do we make sure that our government is hearing this and that things are going to change? Are there things you've done the hard yards now? It's over to us. (laughs) What can we do to make sure our government takes up the recommendations that you've made? Great question. (laughs) I'm not sure I have the answer. Uh, We certainly uh, do our best to try and get reports like this in front of the government. I mean, I think at the moment in New South Wales, at least, we're in a pretty interesting space on this issue. We actually started doing this or looking into doing this research in 2016. And at the time, a huge part of what was behind the interest of our industry partners who are involved in the research was just getting this issue on the agenda, just getting Mm. some sort of attention directed towards this. That's not a problem anymore. Ever since Opal Tower, um, this issue has had plenty of attention, plenty of government resources directed towards it. So I think we, the thing that we're sort of thinking about now is how do we keep that going? How do we keep the momentum there? We've seen you know, a couple of parliamentary inquiries, which I think has been really helpful, that you know, helps to bring all of these different stories and issues to light. And, I mean, we again had a story in the media about a building potentially in Sydney being evacuated because of structural concerns. So 
if that keeps happening, this issue is probably going to stay on the front pages. But it's also about thinking more broadly about the role of housing in our society. So for us as housing researchers, we often think about the fact that so many of the things we do come back to the really simple observation that if you give people good housing, all of their opportunities, all of their sort of trajectories in life tend to improve. And I think really slowly but surely we're seeing a broader recognition of that. And so I think this is part of that broader story that we should think that government is responsible for making sure that people have good housing. We should think that that is something that we have a right to, not just a sort of, it'd be nice to one day have a house if I can work hard enough. And that doesn't leak. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Leak, yeah. I mean, we're not asking for much here, really, when you think about it. So mm-hmm. I guess trying to make sure amongst all of this that we're telling that broader story as well about why housing is so important, why getting housing right is so important, what the role of apartments and strata title is in that mix, which I think is a really important part. And then tying that in with broader discussions of work as well around affordability and accessibility of housing. And if people start to see that as something that's the responsibility of government, then I think we won't have so much trouble with these kinds of issues anymore because we'll see that more proactive role. So that's a kind of a big picture answer to your question, but I think it's so important that we encourage people to think that way about housing and not just sort of accept this sort of idea that, you know, it's something the market does and if you can afford it, that's great. And if not, well, that's bad luck. It's much more important than that. And it should be safe. It should be comfortable. It shouldn't leak. And we need to keep the pressure on government to make sure that happens. And especially as our population grows and our communities become necessarily more dense and we have more strata title developments entering the market, we want to make sure that consumers have confidence in those developments and that those who do form the founding members of that owner's corporation, they are armed with the documents, the information, as you say, to make good decisions going forward about their building. I'll just add this. I think there's a real equity issue here as well. Uh, We see in our big cities now that for many people, apartments are what you can hope to afford potentially, and that might well be it. So 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe your apartments were your stepping stone before you bought your freestanding house. And there's been a whole discourse around this issue of defects that sort of people saying, oh, well, I wouldn't buy an apartment because of all the problems. And that, that's not really a, a solution because that for many people means I don't buy anything at all. Yep. This is what I can aspire to and this is um, the reality of what's available to me. So we do need to make sure that the response to this issue is not, oh, well, apartments are no good and people should just go back to buying houses because that's not a solution for a big proportion of people who live in our cities. It needs to be well, okay, this is the housing we're providing, so we absolutely need to make sure that it's good quality, that it's robust, that it's comfortable, and that people know what they're getting. So, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you in terms of the importance of tackling this issue. Mm. Laura, where is the best place for our listeners to go to find out more about the City Futures Research Centre? I know that you have lots of other research going on about our must 
developments and there are some important past research papers that people can dig into, where's the best place to find those? The starting point is definitely the website. Uh, all of our research reports will end up there and you can read about all the different things. We've got colleagues doing great work on homelessness, lots of different aspects of governance of uh, high density living. So plenty of different things to keep people busy if they're interested in these issues. We're also on Twitter. So if you look us up, UNSW City Futures, if you're a Twitterer, then uh, we, we tend to put out information about everything that we're publishing there and on LinkedIn as well. So a few different places, but the website is uh, cityfutures.ada.unsw.edu. Perfect. And we will make sure that there are links to all of those places in the show notes for this episode. Thank you very much, Laura. I will look forward to catching up with you again soon. I do encourage our listeners to go and check out the report and um, take on board as far as you can for those who are in existing buildings. And I know many listeners to the podcast, if not most, are those in well-established buildings. There's a lot there that can prompt you to improve your own record keeping and information management inside your own strata scheme. So good tips there for managers and owners as well. Thanks so much for having me on, Amanda, and it will be lovely to catch up in person one day. We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Laura. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?